Grunge Bible Podcast. Let's let's get back to it, Ethan. This is episode number 97. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. Uh, we are recording this on Saturday, uh, two days before it comes out, the 28th. Yeah. The, this, this is, is the maybe, latest we've done it, I think. This is the latest, maybe, yeah, maybe the quickest turnaround that's going to have to happen here in the next yeah. 24 hours. That's why we pair a producer with um, the big bucks. That's right. But, you know, the main reason is because, Chris, you and I had a week. We both did. Yeah, we just got this our week, asses kicked for seven days. It was like this this week, just like, it's, they've they've been watching us for a while now, and they're like, "All right, like we're gonna we're gonna do this all at once." All right, everybody get ready, and they yeah. ambushed us. <laughs> and, and as we like to say, they've always they've always wanted to fuck us, and they finally did. They yeah, got us. They finally got to us. I, I feel like they observed us, and they kind of by now they, they know where our weak spots are, and, and they just they, got they, us. They got a POA going. They got a plan of attack, yep. and they waited until we were vulnerable, and they attacked. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah. But look at us. We're still here. Yeah, we're not. still here. We're, we're, we're unbreakable, still and this is a good call that we waited until uh, until the weekend to record this. I feel relaxed and uh, uh, relatively excited to do this, which is good. Um, I feel like the uh, the weight of the last week has kind of uh, fallen off this morning, and uh, feel good, ready to do this uh, this podcast. So, and to be honest, you know, trying to fit it in the week and kind of smush it in there is really has- hard. Yeah, it sometimes it gets it weighs that weighs on us just as much. So like mm-hmm. I think waiting till Saturday, this was a, yeah. a big move by us. Yeah, I think that it's was a really good off. call because at the end of the day, uh, missing a week is not an option. Obviously, there are a no, lot of people never. that rely rely on us to have this podcast uh, in their inbox every Monday morning, and uh, we are happy to oblige them uh, on a weekly basis. This is the ninety seventh week that we've done that, and uh, we're really excited about that. We're closing in, and I think we discussed this before, but. Uh, 100 means more to you than 104 for the two-year mark, or what do you think? Um, yeah, I'd say yeah. so. I think, I think 100, 100 is I think, better. 104 I think sucks. It's arbitrary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I like I like 100 better. That be might might as well be two years to me. So I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna I, I say totally 100 agree. is. It's exactly what we need. Yeah. Absolutely. 100% for 100. So uh, this podcast episode, as always, is brought to you by everybody who chooses to support us. But most notably, uh, over on Patreon, we have a top level tier of supporters uh, and their $10 per month contribution helps keep keep this podcast rolling. Um, If you would like to join or you'd like more information about that, the link to Patreon is in the show notes. But uh, I would like to thank our top tier, and that is comprised of What the Fuck's Up Denny's, Seattle 4 Fanboy from New Jersey, Shoe the Shoeless, Marianne, Millie, Nikki Six, Rachel Corning, Laura and Irene, Jamie Lynn, Carlene Salona, Chris LSMS, our number one fan from Australia, Jade Mercado, Fuck Soup, Granny Grunge, Fresh Tendonitis, Faith Bittner, Brother Nature, Kara Kay, Captain Hightop, Doug Endy, Eddie Vetter got me through my second divorce, Alexis Shannon, The Blue Owl, Christine Shepard, Alex Long, and Black Hole Sean. So thank you to all of you for your continued support. And um, Ethan, I have um, I have a little bit of uh, positive information for you um, that it, I think it, it sneaks up. It certainly sneaks up on you, but uh, it snuck up on me a little bit this year. Are you ready for it? I am. This week, this podcast, like while this is the most recent episode, Grunge Bible enters the birthday zone. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Right. We, turn, we turned seven years old on February 2nd. Uh, back wow. on February 2nd, 2016, uh, Grunge Bible was born. And uh, now, I mean, we're, we're trucking along. And, uh, you know, it's we have a seven-year-old now. <laughs> 
Right, I would say over seven years old, man. That's like, that's a really good age. That was one of my favorite ages. It's like the age that like our our kid is going to start like Googling dirty words to see what they mean on the internet. Is that like first grade? I think it's like second second grade, third grade, second grade. Second grade? Yeah. You could be seven in second grade, I think. Well, I guess, yeah, 18 when you graduate, 12 would be six if you graduate when you're 18, so... Yeah. So yeah, second grade. Yeah, we've got a second grader on our hands. Holy shit, dude! Learning <laughs> multiplication and cursive. Miss, that's when I met Drew. Second grade, Mrs. Strogus. No Mrs. way. Mrs. Strogus's class. Yep, she was that's amazing. Um, she was old. She was a very old. She was an older lady and, and an old school teacher. She was hard on the kids. Oh, she yeah. was hard on us. She wasn't the fun, the old fun one that everybody. Yeah. She wasn't the one that everybody wanted, but uh, no, she did. She did in fact like us because you know we were we were good kids. So yeah. you know, shout out to Miss Strogus. I, hope I never doubt for I a second she's that doing you okay. good kids. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your second grade teacher's name? My second, second grade, grade teacher, her name was Mrs. McDonald. She was uh, she oh, was classic, a dude. legendary classic educator. Teacher yes, name. absolutely legendary <laughs> educator at, at the school that I went to uh, first through eighth grade at. She had been there for like 40 years. She was old. Um, her, yeah. her name was Polly McDonald. Um, she oh was an, an incredible teacher. She had to have been. I mean, your 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 perception of this when you're in second grade is not very good, but she had to have been like 70, 75. <laughs> she was old, um, but she was really sweet. She was a hell of a teacher. I think we were her last class before she retired. I think Mrs. I think we were Mrs. Strogus' last class. Parallel trains, dude. No way. Yeah. I wonder. I hope they're both, you know, still. Kicking. Oh, so it's funny. I just had this conversation <laughs> with my mom actually about my second grade teacher like a couple of weeks no ago. No way. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't think. And and Ethan, I, I'm I'm happy to report I did a uh, I did a Google search of the uh, <laughs> the recent obituaries over the last several years of the Providence metro area, and I did not see her. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully she's still out there, but. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. She was a great oh, teacher. Wanna, she was a Red Sox fan. She had season first. tickets to the Red Sox, and um, I, I used to always wear like my little Red Sox hat, and she used to talk to me about it. It was really sweet. But it's funny. I mean, you get you get good teachers at that age. That's a critical period, I think, to be you know to nurture nurture your mind and nurture your spirit. And uh, I'm happy I had a really good run of teachers. Um, you know, yeah, pretty much all the way. So I was that- lucky for that. This is great. I, I just want to pause for a second. And, and Drew, as they say, as Bill, used to, Bill usually says, Bill Simmons, he says, turn the TikTok camera on. But uh, this is a, a classic snapshot of Chris Salona right now. Not only did we bring up our second grade teachers, but he alluded to how he was just talking about them. And he went back and checked the obituaries, obituaries for the last I had to do my research. To make sure that this teacher was alive. That is the most Chris Salona thing that I heard in like the last <laughs> week. That is amazing. He checked the well, obituaries. Hey, I'm nothing if not consistent, right? <laughs> yeah, dude, that is that is a good one. I know Jerry's going to find that funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's you know it's, really it's due good. diligence. That's really yeah, that's, that's really. Awesome. I mean, I can't come in here and you know come come without my research. I mean, yeah. it's it's an integral part to any sort of uh, preparation for an episode of the Grunge Bible podcast. So yeah. you know that applies to anything that we might be talking about. And uh, this week we had oh wait yeah. one, one last thing. I don't, oh yeah, I, don't, I, I had a. I had a Mr. McDonald, my ninth grade social, social studies. Yeah, Mr. McDonald. I think his first name might have been Mac, too. I think it was Mac McDonald. Oh, yeah. Mac McDonald. So, Classic. Anyway, 
yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. So back t- back That's to good. the what what we're here for. Yeah. So we have uh, we're sitting uh, at the uh, at the threshold of what what may be a new series uh, here on the Grunge Bible Podcast. Something that we had the idea to do, and uh, we think we will do moving forward periodically, just because it's a good exercise and it gets you to kind of think about the music mm-hmm. and the bands in a different way. Um, so today we're going to present three songs from Nirvana. So the the concept behind this is that. For Nirvana, it works out great because they have three studio albums. So uh, Ethan and I, we picked one song from each of the albums, from Bleach, from Nevermind, and from In Utero. And we're going to talk about them in their own right. And um, we're going to talk about what it's like to listen to them back to back to back and kind of get that quick, quick at a glance of what the band was throughout their years from, you know, 89 to 93 in the studio. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to do this. And um, the three songs that we've chosen that we're going to talk about... um, from from Bleach, we have the uh, the first track, which is Blue. Um, so you figure you get that sense of, you know, if you picked up Bleach, this is the first song that you would hear. Uh, and then on Nevermind, we decided to choose On a Plane. And from In Utero, we're going to talk about All Apologies. Um, so we're going to go song by song of those three, um, talk about, um, you know, what we think about them, what they sound like, and place them in their time, and then talk about them all together. And um, I think this will be a good exercise. And and for me, Ethan, um, you know, it's no secret. I, I don't spend a lot of time listening to Nirvana. I never, I never really have. It's not like Pearl Jam where I was heavy, heavy, heavy into them and then it ebbs and flows. But I've never gotten super, super deep into Nirvana. So this exercise is really cool just to kind of um, mm-hmm. get a little bit of a different perspective on a band um, that... For some reason, I, I've just never been able to make that connection like I have with a lot of the bands. But, um, you know, you, you do things like this and maybe you might be able to. Yeah, I think that after listening and kind of also going through the exercise um, in a similar sense, like I, I kind of ebb and flow with Nirvana. And, and I find the most connection when I when I watch them, when I watch Kurt play live and, and Dave on the drums and Chris. And yeah. I think that, you know, they're stu- listening to them you know, in the car and whatnot. It's still really good, but I think that people love this band because of what they did in person. So I think that is something that will never, like when it was happening and and the buzz around them performing. So I don't think it's, I I think that there's a lot of love for them because of that. And obviously we weren't around for that or any type of, any of their touring. So I think that um, it makes, it makes more sense. It makes sense to me that maybe we're a little more disconnected because they are they are quite uh, quite good live. Like that, that's yes. kind of the thing that I kind of pulled away from this too. When I right. contrast, uh, I compared and contrasted the like a lot. Two of these songs were on the uh, MTV Unplugged set mm-hmm. list, and then also they played live and loud, and the cup two of them were also played there. So yeah, you got a really good. You got a really. Uh, you can compare like the live acoustic live live and then studio live and stuff and so mm. it was kind of cool to go through the album hear the differences and see which is your favorite and why you like it so absolutely yeah I, I totally agree and and just kind of how these songs grew over the years too uh you know with a lot of them or at least two of them being you know set staples for for a long time I mean in the limited time that Nirvana was operating but um, I say we just get right into it with blue um so as I said this was the first track on the first album so if you place yourself back in 89 you pick up this cassette or whatever whatever capacity you picked it up in there's a good chance there were a lot of people that you know if they picked up bleach this is the first thing that they heard and I have to say, if I could describe Blue in one sentence, this sounds exactly like a song that you would expect from a record from Seattle in 1989. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it, it doesn't sound like uh it doesn't sound anything like a Nevermind or an In Utero track and um I was listening to it and, and I kind of had the thought I was like this this sounds more like Mud Honey than it sounds like Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah, and overall this album Bleach like I listened to it yesterday. I mean, it's just chaos. It's just chaotic. It's complete and chaos. And it, it, it it's chaotic in the best way and it, it's it's wild. Um and it's just got this weird, like, um, dark ambiance to it, I guess, that mm-hmm. is, it is what it is. And, and um, I, I agree. It's definitely, like, it is really pretty grungy. <laughs> like, yeah, I exactly. Hate to, I hate it, to say it like product, that, but... Yeah, it's a product of, of its place and time. Um, yeah. You know, it sounds like they didn't have, you know, a blank check to go into the studio and record this. And, and certainly they didn't. I mean, they had, they had to scrounge to get the thing finished. And uh, Jason Everman came into the band after the fact, after this was recorded. And, you know, he put money down to get this product done. And as a result, you know, they, they, put, him on the, uh, they put him on the album cover. But it just, it sounds so different um you know and there's there's a lot of things in, in speaking of like the, the heaviness and the grunginess of it um I, I still i mean we say it as a joke but i mean it's very true i don't think anybody captures that sound better than mud honey but this this sounds like nirvana doing their best like super fuzz yeah. big muff impression um yeah. in, in the best way possible and and that heaviness that they get i mean with blue right from the beginning i mean you have nova Selic on the bass and you know that bass track at the beginning I mean, and they go immediately into the fuzz pedal uh, for Kurt's guitar, which later on, um, and we'll talk about all apologies later. You know, the guitar's really clean at the beginning, and then and then they 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 open it up. But I mean, this one right from the jump is heavy, 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 fuzzy, just sloppy, mm-hmm. grungy mess. Um, and I love you know, that you brought up a lot the baseline too, because that was one of yeah. the one of the things that I picked up. The ba- this is kind of a classic Nirvana. Uh, trait is like they had this re- like they, Chris does a really good job with all the bass lines and and kind of getting this melody and there's always this, this yeah. melody that he plays behind like a really heavy drum track. Well, and it's funny and then you have Kurt like coming in because you have Chad Channing on the drums with this track. You know, Dave Dave hadn't joined the band yet, right. but it sounds like yeah, it, you know they they found their synergy right from the beginning. Even with yeah. even with the different people, and um, speaking of the heaviness of the track, um, at the time Nirvana had really liked to record in drop D, so I guess evidently they were in the studio uh, and they were getting ready to play this one, and they went to go tune their guitars down to drop D, but they were already in in drop D, so when they tuned down, they ended up in C, so that made it even heavier. And I think there were a couple other songs on the album that they did this for, but um, you know, I mean, those those strings are super loose, and they're you're just you know hitting them hard and. Uh, and I think that definitely adds to a lot of it. Um, something else, the way of this, the construction of this song, something that I had forgotten about, and and it, it, it's probably just an element of Nirvana being the biggest blind spot that I have amongst like the, the mm-hmm. big Seattle bands. But the guitar solo on this is unusually long for Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I was referring to that. They played this at 90 in the Live and Loud in Seattle in 93 and, and Dave was playing with them and mm-hmm. and yeah the, the, they do they they get to the guitar solo and, and it kind of like it just kind of bleeds into a little bit longer than you'd expect from Kurt and yeah um it's it's great and it, I, I really like it uh it's I mean it's such a Kurt solo it's it's awesome yeah. he was good he was 100%. he was good can we he say did. that do you think he's a good guitarist I think I think he was good yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, like, and obviously that's like the running joke that a lot of people are like, oh, Kurt Cobain sucked at the, at the guitar. But I mean, right from the jump, I mean, this is the first song of the first album. And 
Um, it's so effective and he does what he does really well. And I, I know, I think I made this comparison before, but it's like Neil Young. I mean, Neil Young is not going to give you the most defined and, um, uh, precise solos or, or anything, but I mean, the man can write songs really, really well. And what he does well, he does incredibly well. And, and Kurt, I think, I think he had a really intentional vision, um, for what the guitars would sound like in his bands and, I think he had that vision right from the beginning and the execution was just, just absolutely bang on. And another thing thinking about blue, um, I mean, it sounds like a, like what I think grunge to be in the, in the mud honey vein, but there's obviously a lot of punk influence in that. But furthermore, something that Nirvana had from the jump that a lot of the Nirvana purists are just fans that will, will run into on, on, in the comment sections that I don't think they would admit Kurt Cobain was a hell of a pop writer. Like there are a lot of elements of just, just pop music in, in all of his songs. And I think as we progress throughout, I think especially with the second song that we'll talk about, we get that. But I mean, um, the, the chorus, you know, is there another reason for your staying? I mean, it's like stop and go. And it's, it's just, it's just a perfect chorus. I mean, Kurt Cobain, probably better than any of the songwriters from this era of the, the popular, you know, the four or five bands. I mean, Kurt knew how to write a chorus. I totally agree. This is one of the things that I was kind of like noticing and 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 thinking about is, yeah. and especially when he when when you see him performing, like the way the the melody kind of and the verses lead up into the their choruses are always so, um, yeah, they're very poppy. Like I I just feel like he he understood he understood like radio radio time and radio he plays really or something did. or or maybe he didn't like. Maybe he wasn't really thinking about that totally, but his brain was definitely wired for like good hooks and good like it just sucks you into the chorus. Whatever that song you're listening to, it does it every time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it was it's for it's, sure it's, the it's type of really writing good. and the presentation that just hangs in your head for a long time. And um, yeah, it's I think from the beginning he he knew exactly the type of songs he had to write to to you know to get people's attention and um, yeah. And it's funny, you know, as as we'll progress on into the Nevermind and the In Utero songs that we've chosen. But I mean, this one, it sound, it's so it sounds so low budget and so underground. I'm sure if they had given this song the Nevermind treatment with the production, you know, it would have been on the radio um, because it just it just has that that factor that I think you need. And Kurt knew exactly how to do that. And, and, um, you know, it's always the thing that, oh, like Kurt didn't want to be famous. I think he was, he was very intentional about wanting to be famous and wanting to be successful. Um, and his songwriting was, you know, it was perfect. It was perfect for the time. It was perfect for, um, you know, the main method of consumption at the time, you know, people are going to hear your song on the radio and they're going to go and buy your record. Um, I mean, in Bleach for being a little known band, I mean, it sold pretty well for the time and uh, it certainly set themselves up, um, you know, and I can see why, you know, a Geffen Records would sign Nirvana after hearing Bleach. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, a great title track. Um for or a great opening track for the band and i think yeah. that maybe 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 the best on the album maybe it's, maybe it's probably a little underrated because of all like an underrated song from the band um band's catalog altogether just because of what we're going to get into with nevermind because nevermind was quite the complete album everybody knows this but you, yeah. look, you look you look through the you look through the songs and it's it's all the it's all the songs that 
you know from Nirvana. I mean, and, right. and, exactly. and it's packaged. I mean, we talk. I mean, it's fucking never mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is, I mean, it's, it it's, is it's what it Butch is. Big at the controls. Yeah. Um, and and it's funny, you know, and we'll we'll get into on a plane here. So that's the eleventh track. Um, and I mean, there's no skips. There's no songs that people don't recognize like music fans know all of the songs off of nevermind um and and you know you listen on a plane and you listen to nevermind as a whole and the first thought that i had especially coming right off the heels of listening to blue from the bleach album on a plane sounds like it is supposed to be on the radio yeah. Blue didn't. Blue sound. It's like this this dingy song that yes. you hear blasting through your 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 neighbor's wall, you know, because you have no insulation or sound. And they're practicing, yeah, yeah, or, yeah like that's that, what or it some sounds opener like. band. And, like, and like I wrote the note for Blue. I wrote that it sounds like shit. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, in the in the best way possible. Um, and on a plane. It, it sounds like a completely different band, in my opinion. It's Un- it's 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 just it was it was a really jarring experience to to listen to these back to back, and just realize that it, um, you know, the the structure and the intent of this song on a plane, um, it, it's it's so there, and it, and it's funny because everybody's like, oh, like Nirvana was this like punky like sloppy sloppy band. I mean, by the time, never mind. I mean, they were they were they were shooting they were shooting bullseyes with these. I mean, everybody. They were. Everybody was right on time. Everybody was um, right on cue. Um, and and, and I, I have when, to say, date, yeah. I was going to say, when, when like picking the songs for this, so we shot back a few different ideas and whatnot. And, it, you know, it's tough. You don't just, you can't, you know, we don't want to talk about Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's already right. been done, you know, In Bloom or, you know, Lithium, the other songs on this album. Like, we tried to pick a different one. And, and this one is... It's so it is really good. Like I mean, when people talk about the maybe the better songs on the album, like you know, it's not going to come up in the probably the first five. But in reality, like this song could be, like yeah, like you said, it is definitely on the radio. It could be a very like it could be a single. It's it is really good. They played it. I think they played it at the uh, ninety one in Paramount or at the, the Paramount, and uh, it was on the MTV Unplugged, and. The, those performances are just i mean their live performances are of the of their all of these songs are are really legendary but yeah. um i don't know the mtv unplugged is, is obviously really special and, mm-hmm. and man the, the each what did i write i said um i think this just solidifies like i said this solidifies them as like a live they're like a live perform like a performance band for me i need to consume them um yeah you know with these long form you know concerts in a way totally yeah and i mean and 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 they played these songs a lot um they played on a plane a lot and as we'll get in all apologies i mean uh they played these songs frequently live but speaking on a plane um you know channing channing was seem seemingly he was the perfect drummer i think for the sound that you ended up getting on on bleach um, but then when you move to on a play and I mean, Dave instantly brings this, this different level of heaviness. Um, but it's, it's, it's such precise heaviness. Um, and, you know, and, and he, and he contributes backing vocals to this song as well. Um, and it really kind of sounds like, you know, the band already by this time, they were, they were an institution, they were a unit and like, they yeah, had, I guess, yeah, I guess what I was trying to say with the live uh, the live band part is there were three like there, you know you had three people in this band and everybody played an extreme part and when you watch it when you watch them you see the way they interact you see Chris the way that he jumps around and plays you see 
Dave on the drums, like holding it down, and you see Kurt, and like, and just I, I think it's so important that they're, you know, and then obviously you have Patch Me coming in and playing, and a few other people, but like when you see the three of them, and like you said, the the unit that they had at this time was um, what made them like pop. I mean, it really is like I mean, it's three different three pieces coming together to make this beautiful whole that, and that's when you get bands that really like go above the rest and then stick out is when everybody's moving in, in synergy. Yeah, I totally agree. But um, yeah, with, with on a plane and, and with a lot of, with a lot of Nirvana's work, the lyrics are kind of hard to, to get a read on. And I, and I think, yeah. you know, Kurt was fairly outspoken at different points that a lot of his lyrics weren't meant to be read um, completely literally. And sometimes it was just filler or just random words um, that were popping into his head. I mean, in this song, there's there's a point where he says, what the hell am I trying to say? Um, you know, but just, just to cherry pick a, a lyric that I, I really always have appreciated from on a plane was, you know, the finest day that I ever had was when I learned to cry on command. Um, and yeah, he just, he just had this very distinct way of, of writing lyrics that I think all of these musicians in this era, you know, you could kind of, they, they all wrote in their same way, you know, in their, in their own unique way. And, and Kurt, something else that I'm thinking about with all of these songs towards, towards the end of his career and the end of his life, Kurt was just always concerned and always talking about the fact that he like he had nothing else left to write and he was completely out of material i mean for a guy who was like always seemingly on the brink of having no material (laughs) he had a shit ton of really good material (laughs) (laughs) that's so that's so funny that's true it's it's so strange and like we'll we'll get into he we'll did, get into he did it talk with in utero because like once in utero came out I mean they did a lot of press for in utero he did a lot of interviews and he's like yeah I'm completely out of material I have no idea what the <laughs> what what the band's gonna you know what the band's gonna do because like I have nothing else left to write and you know it's interesting I, I think a lot of times people are their own worst critics and I'm sure he had a lot of things that maybe you know nobody even really knows about that he probably just scrapped because he thought it was shit but i mean from from the inception from 1989 all the way through i mean he knew how to write songs um and and once again this song on a plane you talk about the chorus i mean this thing is is made to get stuck in your head um like a lot of nirvana songs were yeah he um just another uh just yeah great hooks for like this song has such a good hook that brings you in and um yeah he really did have a knack for writing there's i mean there's no surprise there i guess um yeah and and it's funny and 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 once you once you get into it it really puts to bed the whole trope they're like oh nirvana they're just loud and they're just they're just screaming at you and they're sloppy like no like this is this is well, well, well done. I mean, everything, I think the radio at the time, I mean, it was so saturated and there were so many good places to turn that, you know, it was more than just trendy to listen to Nirvana. I mean, there's a reason other than the trendiness of Nevermind that people were going to this record. And I mean, here we are 30, 31 years later, 32 years later after Nevermind, and it's still you know, it's still capturing people's imaginations. And a lot of that, I think, just has to do with the way that he wrote the songs. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think that it was very clever. Like, I think the lyrics are, are 
clever in a, a lot of times you know they yeah. may not be yeah, Kurt, they may not Kurt mean was a lot really of... clever and neurotic in a way and he had this yeah. like dry presentation uh with a lot of his words and and it, with a lot of his interviews too and and uh whether it was he left it up for interpretation whether... all the time exactly and and he definitely like it had to have been a, a conscious choice to to kind of be contradictory at times just to fuck with people i mean yeah. kurt kurt was really good kurt was really good at that but um he was really clever. He really, really he was. was. Yeah, and that's the thing. that's one thing I wrote about the lyrics. It's like you're trying to figure it out, and and although it's really hard, and he does, he never gives much direction to what they mean, and because he says they don't mean anything. Yeah. And so people have the ability to kind of take them and do what they wish with them. And I think we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure on the pod, but like, you know, that's the nice part about the lyrics. Oh yeah, we definitely have because Lane talks about like whatever that means to you in that moment yeah. is what it means, and mm-hmm. um. I think that you can do that with the Nirvana songs and you maybe yeah. have a little more freedom in a lot of ways because of, you know, there isn't like a, yeah, guide, it, a guideline it, per se. Exactly. It's And it's really funny too, because Kurt wasn't exactly writing op-eds on what his lyrics meant. Um, so like you'll go on the internet and you'll read. Um, and, you know, earlier I was looking, I was looking up Blue, the first song that we discussed today, and I was reading the lyrics. And at the end, you know, he just repeats, you can do anything, you can do anything over and over and over again until the song ends. And I read mm-hmm. somewhere online, people were like, oh, like this, the fact that this lyric comes at the end of the song means that he doesn't really mean it and that it's too late and that you can't actually do anything because time's up. And it's just like, it's really funny. Um, you know, I have nothing, I have nothing against people, you know deciding what something means for them but there's no with kurt i think out of all these songwriters there's no way to definitively be like this is what he was trying to say uh through this song and and i think especially earlier on in his career um you know on on bleach and 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 on nevermind except for the ones that he explicitly spoke about it's hard to tell what the hell this dude is is trying to say, uh, but it's good because it doesn't it doesn't matter because like we said you know it can mean something to to everybody individually and I I think only later on and I think as we moved in utero I think there was more of a pointed effort and um, you yeah. know seemingly you know Kurt's life grew more tumultuous as the time went on and, and it's funny because. With all apologies, as we get into it, this sounds like it was written in '93, but it actually wasn't. Um, Kurt Kurt had this one kicking around since as early as 1990. But um, listening to this one, I'm so glad that they waited. I'm so glad that this didn't appear on Nevermind. And and you know they played yeah. it, you know, all throughout '92 and '93, obviously. But this song makes sense on In Utero. I'm glad that it got the the Last In Utero song. treatment, the Steve Albini treatment, um, and this song for me. You know, this is one of the Nirvana songs that I've spent the most time with, and and uh, In Utero is my favorite Nirvana album, and and this song just kind of makes me think about um, Kurt and uh, mortality, and the fact that Kurt's life was so short. I don't know what it is about that opening guitar riff. Um, you know, it's just it's it's clean, and it just it just kind of evokes that emotion for me. Um, but this is for sure one of my favorites. But what what was, you know. What is your kind of gut reaction to this song, or what, what does this song make you think about? Yeah, this one, this was really good. Um, it it kind of I always I always kind of go in the sun. I feel as one. I kind of always come back to that lyric and and mm-hmm. hear that and think about you know what the sun does. I guess for people, <laughs> like it yeah. sounds weird to kind of go go right to this, but like um, I don't know. I, I feel like you know this. There, you know, because I mean. The band's name 
nirvana, you know, and, and, you know, that feeling of nirvana and what you can kind of, and it's different for everybody. And this morning I actually went out and like, you know, we I was doing a little prep and it was like 730 and the sun was just coming out. Yeah. And I and like had just like looked at this lyric and the sun I feel is one and I was standing out like, you know, it's cold, but the sun is out. And like, I don't know, it, it was, it was an, a really interesting experience. I, I feel like I was having a Nirvana moment, you know, getting ready for that. <laughs> I told, I texted you, I said, I'm in the Nirvana zone. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this is this this whole song, all apologies. It sounds, you know, how easy it is to like not live up to expectations in a way. And this is mm-hmm. just this is just, I guess, my interpretation of it. And like how it's always, you know, always apologizing for certain things. I mean, I think the first like four, um, yeah, what four, else should uh, I eight, be? Eight lines, yeah, are kind of like that. And it, it's just it's a struggle that you get um, going through where it's like it feels like all I'm doing is apologizing for for certain things, and there's there's really no reason to do that because you're just putting all this weight on yourself. And yeah, um, and then like I said, you know, when you when you find your nirvana or you find your your sun, something to to give you light, you can kind of you feel better. You feel like a, a kind of fulfilled in a way. And I think. Um, it's a good song to kind of, it's, you know, it can be hard to get there, I guess, but like, I, I like to think of it like that, you know, to take the pressures off yourself and be able to find your, yeah. find your Nirvana. Yeah. And this, I, is I la- this is the last song on the, um, on the album too, which is kind of cool that, um, you know, I don't know, we started with Blue, but then this is the final one that, you know, of their studio albums, so. Yeah. And, and I definitely, I totally agree with the, um, the thought that, um, you know this this song brings about feelings of fatigue um and 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 just kind of all of the energy that somebody puts forward to um uh, to kind of fit in or to try to like be what other people expect them to be and um you know i'd really love more insight uh you know whether if if the lyrics that exist on the in utero track were the ones that kurt had come up with in, in 1990 when he you know initially started kind of writing writing on this song um but you know one of the lyric that always sticks out to me well there's two of them but the first one is uh what else could i write i don't have the right and i i think that that just feels so exasperated to me because kurt was always looked at like the as the you know spokesperson for this alienated generation right. x that was angry with the world and everything and you know, when I, when I hear that lyric, it's like, you know, I don't have the right to, to write, um, to, to be this spokesperson. It's not up to me. It's not my job. And, 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 and it's not, not what I'm here to do. Um, and also I think it kind of, it, it, it's a good, you know, call back to the fact that, you know, what else could I write? You know, he's running out of material. He, he's like, everything I have is shit. I'm not going to be able to, to, yeah. to make the fourth Nirvana record. Uh, you know, we're all out. Um, and then the other one uh, for me, that's one of my favorites was, uh, you know, I wish I was like you easily amused. And yeah. um, I know, you know, we've talked about that one a lot, kind of, um, you know, I, I don't know, like sometimes like what, what does it for everybody else doesn't do it for you. And, and that can be an, an empty feeling. It can be a, a tiring feeling. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I, I, th- think, I thought you were going to bring up that lyric. Um, yeah. I, I read a comment on one of the, I don't know if it was the unplugged um, video or something else, but it was somebody that said that their, you know, their wife grew up and, and you know, knew Nirvana. He said they were at a party and Kurt was sitting in the corner. And I don't know how, you know, who knows if this is true or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, you know, Kurt was just sitting there and like, they were like, you know, hey, like, why don't you be happy? And he like responded, like, I don't know how to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 
and, but then, you know, and then it's like, um, I'm not like you easily amused. I wish I was like you easily amused in that situation at a party or whatever. And I, I it, who knows if it's, tr- who knows if it's true, but, um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to feel that he probably felt that maybe a lot and kind of, we can kind of get into those, get into those ruts where you, you know, why, why do I have to try so hard to be happy in a well, way? Yeah, like, why and, do I have to try so exactly. hard to be content with what I have? Like I have, I have a lot of good stuff. Like how am I, how am I in this, is in this headspace or something like that? And yeah. And, and the constant battle, I think to, to, to put yourself out there as, as somebody who's like, I guess like happy or like having a good time or, or, or with it. And, and like, you know, if the absence of that genuine feeling is there, you know, if, if there's an absence of that feeling, you have a choice, whether, you know, you just operate without it or you just give off, you know, you lie. Um, and you know, it kind of goes back, you know, an earlier Nirvana lyric, the sun is gone, but I have a light. Um, I always think about these lyrics in tandem because it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't have the real thing. Um, you know, so you can, you can put it on and you can lie about it. Um, and that's a hard thing to do, um, you know, and if with with this lyric, you know, if 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 what does it for everybody else doesn't do it for you, that can be a, a, a tough spot to be in. Um, and, and this is, you know, this is the song I always think about when I think about Kurt's writing and, and why I appreciate it so much. And, um, you know, at the end, you know, the the, the repetition uh, and it's funny, it's kind of a, a callback to, to Blue and the style that Blue is written, you know, just over and over and over again, um, you know all in all is all we are. Um, mm-hmm. and I've always, I've always appreciated that one. And, and for the longest time, I had no idea what he was saying. Um, when I first started listening to this song, I thought he was saying, our love is all we are. Um, <laughs> I learned that that's not what he was saying. Um, so I can only imagine how difficult it must've been without the internet, uh, <laughs> to yeah. decipher, uh, at certain points. But yeah, I just, um, I appreciate this one. And, and speaking of the performances, I always think about the, um, the unplugged version, the unplugged performance for this one. And I think mm-hmm. there were more than a couple of uh, news agencies that when they did pieces on Kurt's death, um, they used uh, bits of the unplugged all apologies. So well, I think it was those experiences that kind of make make this song always tied to Kurt's mortality and his death. Um, and it's one of the ways, one of the songs that I usually go to to remember him by. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Uh... That's a good, it's a good point. Good, good closing statement. Um, yeah, I have a couple <clears throat> really more, is. couple more things that I want to talk about with the studio version. We just need to appreciate the fact that um, there is a, there is in fact a cello uh, oh, yeah. on the on the on the studio version. It was Absolutely. funny, just like I said, listen to these three songs back to back to back. Imagine <laughs> the band in 1989 being like, "This song needs a cello <laughs> on, yeah. the bl- on, on Bleach," and it's it, it just kind of a hallmark for how far the band, um, you know, how far the band has come. You know, the fact that they they have the budget to get somebody with a cello coming in, and the fact that it, it fits a song at this time. And kind of speaking to the fact that I'm really glad that they this song, you know, waited until in utero to to rear its head because you know. I, I I, it, I just think it would have been out of place uh, with everything else, and you know it's always funny with when people talk about in utero, they're like it was a return to uh, you know the band wanting to sound underground, and it you know they they didn't want to make another Nevermind, they wanted to make another Bleach, but um, it's kind of one of those things. Listen to these when you make a Nevermind, you can never go back to making a Bleach. 
you, you know, yeah. you just you just can't like there's just something about that. Like you grow up and, uh, you know, those those days are gone and um, innocence and it, time. Yeah, it's it's just like an impossible, you know, you can easily return to the past, but no one is there type thing. I mean, it's just you can't get back to that space. Um, and, you know, this certainly I think this album, it's funny. I always thought that this one sounded more like in utero or the in utero sounded more like bleach than nevermind but honestly after listening to these back to back to back uh and and obviously we're cherry picking a couple of like a song from each but this sounds like a band that had just made nevermind not a band that was trying to re, you know recreate the bleach sound and and mm -hmm. it's interesting because people always talk about like oh this song was made so that you know the casual nirvana or this album was made so that the casual nirvana fan would hate it but I can clearly see the connection between Nevermind and In Utero, and um, you know you can hear it on on all apologies. You can hear it throughout the record, but um, really interesting. Uh, I mean, like I said, In Utero is always going to be my favorite uh, Nirvana album. It is a, it's a very very complete album. Um, it probably I think I also would say that it's my favorite one, and. Uh, but it's it is nice to kind of, it's always nice to revisit and you kind of you always surprise yourself when you get into it. I mean, we've done this done this with other other bands yeah. and other albums where we said this is our favorite, but then we start listening to others. It's like ah, oh, this one has a lot more to it. So um, never know where our Nirvana journey will go. Um, but at this moment, um, I'm very appreciative for these three songs and and the, the performances they have of them. I think. Like my main takeaways, I think, you know, the main takeaways from this exercise that we did is, you know, how much they changed in the three years, how much they stayed the same, what kind of songwriter Kurt was. And these, yeah. like these, these hooks and melodies were all so, were all so, so good. And, um, mm -hmm. but they really are a powerhouse together on stage. And I think that's where, the, I think that's where their, their songs, um, make the most sense to me yeah. when it's when it's just you know when it's unplugged you know or, or unplugged or live and loud like those are two great those are honestly the perfect t like show names for them live and loud and unplugged yeah and, and that yeah, is honestly, that's nirvana like yep live totally and loud right. shit and and it's funny and I, I think the same reasons why they they were so successful on the radio is exactly what made them so captivating live because there's just something about these songs and particularly the choruses i mean even on all apologies uh you know in the sun i feel as one um they just draw you in and they kind of captivate you uh you know whether you're, you're hearing them on the radio or whether you're in the pit uh listening to them you know right up there on stage and um you know they they had that they had that skill that was so transferable across you know every single every single medium that you could consume them and you could listen to their music and i think that's what made them special um you know they they their music was presented in such a way that um yeah you could it would just draw you in and kind of make you connect with it you know if you gave it an open shot so um it's really really cool and, and it's funny you know in terms of this podcast we did you know, album, album reviews or, uh, you know, song by songs of Nevermind and In Utero. We, we haven't done it for Bleach. Maybe we'll have to, uh, maybe we'll have to do that at some point and complete it. And then maybe we'll, we'll get into the bonus. We'll go incesticide as well, <laughs> get yeah. the B sides. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's always, uh, I always I, appreciate doing episodes on Nirvana because of the fact that I don't love Nirvana and it, and it kind of, you know, 
forces you to listen to them. But it also, you know, when you, you can get into an open mind, you know, uh, open state of mind, you, you appreciate them more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree. There's, it's like a, yeah, I mean, it's like an assignment that you go into and you don't think you can learn anything and then you, you learn a lot along the way. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, the evolution of their like cleanliness in, in, in the way they, because yes. they kept their chaos, chaos, but they like learned to harness it throughout the years. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a, you know, a beautiful thing that I was just thinking I wanted to say, like, I feel like that's a, a great way. They just, they just figured it out by the end. Mm-hmm. for never yeah. minded for yeah like they, they had, like they, those two were so good yep they had the chaos but they were able to you know just get it calm enough that it could be accessible to millions yeah. and millions of people yeah that's good um yeah that's good three songs three albums we just entered we just e- entered and exited the nirvana zone Feels yeah, good. that was good. We spent we spent like forty minutes in the Nirvana zone, and uh, that's uh, that's nowhere else that I nowhere else I wanted to be this morning. So uh, we hope there's nowhere else uh, you wanted to be, uh, wherever, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, if you are, we're appreciative of that fact. Um, we would also be very appreciative if you would get into the subscription, the like, the comment, or the Patreon support zone. And uh, also, shows how fucking bad I am at this. Uh, Ethan, I'm, I'm wearing a Grunge Bible crew neck sweatshirt right now. And, yeah. you know, I need to be voted off of this show for not mentioning that at the top of the show. I mean, I missed the prime marketing opportunity. Uh, you know, by now, probably 30, 40% of the people listening have shoved off. Uh, right. But, you know, if you're here, <laughs> yeah. and if, 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 if you want to steal my look, it's not expensive. Um, you know, Do a you fit check. Ahead. Where's What about the hat? The, oh, this this hat is a uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, uh, the, this logo is uh, referred to by many fans as the meth bear, uh, just because <laughs> the bear looks like he's on meth. So you could steal my look. Uh, Grunge Bible crew neck sweatshirt, like $25. Meth bear Bruins hat, $30. I mean, for, for, you know, with, with shipping and handling, I mean, for 60, $65, you could steal my look, but that is the serpentine way of saying, uh, if you would also like to support us, uh, and, uh, get some merchandise to wear to your next, uh, you know, formal dinner or wake, um, you can go ahead and, uh, hit up that link in the show notes to our store. Um, there's many ways to support us and we are grateful for any way that you choose. So, uh, we would also like to thank Drew Drew McFadden for producing this 97th episode of the Grunge Bible podcast. Yeah, luckily, luckily, he usually downloads it on Sunday anyway, so we're not really getting it to him any later than usual. <laughs> exactly, um, it's going to be right on time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it'll be it'll be perfect. So, yeah. of course, he'll probably tell us that he wanted to do this one Wednesday or something. Yeah, but, just this one. <laughs> but. You know, we all know, we all know, but no, we are yeah. super thankful for him because he's going to do an awesome job and then we're going to have this awesome episode on the first, uh, on the Monday. So yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. That is really good stuff. Well, I think that only leaves one, uh, one more exercise. Uh, yeah. we're getting a lot of exercise today. Um, yeah, many, we're just many, ex- going. many exercises. Yeah. Song of the week. Um, this is the point of the episode where we choose a, <laughs> we choose a song <laughs> <laughs> that we want you to listen to. <laughs> this is where we, yeah, we pick up, we pick something because you guys, you guys like recommendations. You like hearing stuff that we like. So uh, this we is made a playlist. <laughs> songs that we like. <laughs> songs that we like. That's what we should, yeah, songs that we like. So I'll go songs first. Of, songs of note, some could say. 
I will, I'll go first. Yeah, good, because I have no idea what I want to yeah. choose. So tonight, uh, this is Saturday, tonight I'm going to a concert. Oh, sure. Yeah, you have an easy one to pick. I have an easy, yep, I, I know. I have a few, though. There's actually a few that I had um, this past week that kind of came up, but I'm pivoting because this is important. I'm going tonight to see Death Cab for Cutie, yep. and um, I'm not sure how much time you spent with the band, but back when I was like between 13 and 17 was when all this stuff was coming out, um, and... I, I really did listen to a lot of um, their albums, listen to Plans, and um, like this, it was just such a, a calming um, library to listen to. I don't know, when I was younger, like it, I felt like I was, it was one of those bands that I just felt like I was like really deep in my thoughts. Like I felt like yeah. emo- emotional and stuff. So I'm going to go with um, off the 2005 album Plans, I Will Follow You Into the Dark. First song that you know, it's one of the bigger ones all time. And but like when it came out, it, just, it was so good. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful song. And it, I was there when you know when it came out and when it happened. And it just, you were there when it happened. Yeah, it was just the first. It was the first one that sucked me in. And I'm just like so happy for it. So it's just a classic that I need to put on there. Um, so go listen to that. A lot of people do covers of it and stuff. It's pretty popular. Awesome. So yeah, yeah, beautiful song. That's good. Yeah, I I missed the boat. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't plugged into uh, you know that 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 world at the time. So I, I retroactively I need to go back. And it's funny because Death Cab is I mean that band is a large influence on a lot of uh, musicians that I like. You know, it's it's one of those it's one of those uh, you know bits of music that you know. It's yeah. it's mu- musicians like the music. Pixies, Built to Spill, you know, <laughs> yeah, modest, like, <laughs> these bands. You know they're, the, they're the musicians' bands. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, like these. Are, this is the influence. You know, <laughs> like these are the guys you need to listen to. Like yeah, exactly. It's like Buffalo Tom, yeah. which by the way we have to mention uh, after we talked about Buffalo Tom, Ethan, you posted Buffalo Tom, and uh, Bill Janovitz commented on our Instagram post. You posted Hell was yeah. it a Letterman clip? Uh, yeah, or Conan. I think it was a Conan. Yeah, it was. It was one of the late night shows from from the '90s, and uh, Bill Janet's comments, and he was like, "It's like he's like we needed to have an intervention for my hairstyle." <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it's so funny yeah. that um, it's so funny. I, I just want to know like what when someone posts like his work, you know, and he sees it. Like, uh, I wonder uh, what, what feelings does he you have. Yeah, yeah. like what do you, when you see someone else post it. I don't know. It's yeah. just, it is funny. So, dude, that would suck to be a public figure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too, man. Yeah, I don't, that's why I don't want Bu- Buffalo Tom is is perfect. That's exactly. why they have a place. You're right. You're right in the happy zone. He only has four thousand followers. Basically, only four thousand people that know Bill Janovitz. We have one hundred times his followers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we don't deserve that. <laughs> no. All right. Wow. Anyway, your song, Chris. My song, yeah, I've I've decided um, long enough, and um, in uh, you know you picked a song that is kind of a, a current event for you, and um, I think it was last week's episode that I almost I fell off. Yeah, I almost fell off the rails last week because right 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 when we were preparing to record, uh, Boy Genius dropped three songs uh, from their forthcoming album, and um, <laughs> I explained to you after, but <laughs> during the episode last week, I pre-ordered the record like while we were recording it. Yeah, um, it goes to show how good at multitasking I am. Nobody knew, um, but I'm gonna pick one of the songs. Um, 
from from the forthcoming Boy Genius album, and I'll pick. It was the final song of the trio they released. It's called True Blue. Um, Lucy Dacus uh, wrote this one. I'm, I'm positive. Um, and yeah, I, I like it. I'm, I'm just excited for that, you know, for that, the first full length album from boy genius. So, um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, it, it stinks too. Like I, like as soon as like they announced that, you know, the album was coming out and that they were going to tour it. My first thought was like, this is going to be a really expensive ticket. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I have to see it. Like, I, if they if they come to, I'm sure they'll come to the Boston metro area. Uh, I I have to see him. How much are you willing to pay? Oh, fuck, dude. Like, uh, honestly, like, um, two hundred dollars. What's that? Two hundred dollars. I, I would go? pay two. I would pay two fifty. Yeah, I'd pay two fifty. I'd wow. pay two hundred fifty dollars to go see Boy Genius. Yeah, That's I awesome. would. Well, it's funny. I mean, I say this now, but like my concert lineup for 2023 is looking a little bit leaner than uh than 2022 i mean i saw like 20 something shows in 22 i mean, I mean we aren't even out of the first month chris but that's the thing <laughs> and i didn't start i didn't start we until have, march last year we have year, no so. idea yeah Fuck, you're right <laughs> Forgive literally them, father, no one they knows know not what they say <laughs> that's so funny yeah, yeah i'm looking a little light this year <laughs> well i already have yeah uh, i'm full of shit i have three i have tickets to well I'm going to three already. I'm I'm seeing Bruce Springsteen in a couple of weeks in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I'm I going to visit one that. of my buddies who uh, who spends time out there in the winter, and um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was not going to spend uh, spends $2, time in there in the winter. What's that? What? You said he spends time in Missouri in the winter. What does that mean? <laughs> So he's a he's an athletic trainer for a professional baseball team. So okay. during the during the winter time, I mean they're not playing. There's not nice. guys at the facility. So that's what. <laughs> spend some time there in the winter. I love that. Like oh, Missouri. Yeah, I, I want to start spending. I want to start wintering in like Akron, Ohio, or something. <laughs> not Ohio, no. <laughs> yeah, f- fuck Ohio. Um, but that but is yeah, good. Uh, I, d- I did listen to the first. I listened to the songs as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, just, I love them. I, I right. love them. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they definitely... they. I was thinking about, too, like... Yeah, I, I, I mean, this... Like, the sum of the parts, and, like, they have all their own projects. I was thinking of, like, BOCC, the Better Oblivion uh, mm, community. Yeah, with and, Connor Oberst. And I would, I would love to see that, see that project live and stuff. Yeah. And, and there's just no opportunities. And I feel like this one... Yeah, this one's going to be pretty special, so I can see... The excitement behind it. The lyrics are pretty good. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I can't remember which song what it was, but it was like I had to fuck around to find out who yeah, I am. Yeah, that's or True something. Blue. Yeah. Uh, okay, that was in True Blue. Yeah, I had to fuck around to find out who mm-hmm. I am or something. And I was like, uh, oh, yeah. that's just like appropriate. It's funny. It's yeah, good. yeah, it, like, it is. It is. It is. It's got some good humor to it. So, um, yeah, man, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna spend. Yeah, I'm gonna spend money on that, uh, and it's gonna be great. So, is money well spent? Exactly. It's just like oh, uh, let's like shout what, out. What I do want to shout. I want to shout out to Petey. Uh, did you see his most recent video? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. No. Square it up. You haven't seen it. Square it up. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Dude, it, all right. When we get off, when we get off camera, you're gonna watch it, and and we'll, you know, we'll fit a laugh together because it's really fun. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Petey. We're gonna have him on soon. Yeah, we need to. <sighs> all right, man. Well, yeah. I think I'm gonna go make some pancakes. It's Saturday. It's the weekend. So. Yep. I'm going to go make some, the weekends. make some more coffee. So, oh, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Um, have a great week. 
be safe, listen to your grunge, and uh, try to you know get into the Nirvana zone a little bit. See yeah, what happens. Join us. Join us. All right, everyone. See you. See you next week, guys. Peace. Rock and roll.